You know, Mother's Day is an interesting holiday. Um, it's been a couple times already today where I went up to a mom and said, Happy Mother's Day. And you almost don't know what to respond. So a few moms have already said, Happy Mother's Day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Not quite sure how to respond. But in a moment, I'm going to go really deep into what mothers mean. But I just want to say on behalf of our church and everyone else in this room, moms, how much we deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate you how much we love you, how much God cares for you. And I think God has a special place in his heart for moms. And so I just wanna pray uh, uh, God's blessing and God's anointing and God's favor over your lives because Lord knows you need it. Um, but let's just pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm so grateful for every mother represented in this room, watching online all over this world. God, I'm just reminded when you were on the cross and, and you were going through the most excruciating moment that anyone has ever gone through in a lifetime. And in the midst of that horrible, horrible pain, in the midst of all the sin of humanity being thrown on your shoulders, you had enough wherewithal to look at your mother and say, wait, I gotta make sure my mom's okay. And you looked at your disciple, John, and you said, take care of my mom. Lord, that is your heart for mothers. That no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, you have a, an eye towards moms. You are concerned about what the mother is concerned about. You worry about what mothers worry about. You intercede on the things that mothers intercede on. And so God, I just pray right now. I pray encouragement in the lives of every one of our mothers. Lord, I pray affirmation. Lord, from you first and foremost, God, that you would let them know that you are pleased with their service. God, we pray for favor. Lord, we, we don't always have all the right answers and, and moms aren't perfect. So Lord, we need a perfect God to show favor and blessing and anointing on every decision that's made, on every move that's made, on every word that's spoken. God, we pray for rest. Not just physical rest, but rest in your presence, God, so they can continue to do the million and one things that they do on a regular basis. And God, we just pray that your spirit would be with them every step of the way, God. Lord, we're so grateful for moms. We're grateful for all they do and will continue to do because a mom is a mom forever. And Lord, we even pray for those who are yearning to be moms who have battled and struggled like my wife has, wondering if it'll ever come. And Lord, I just pray that you would give them a spirit of contentment and joy in you, oh God. That you would even remind them that they don't have to biologically give birth to a child to raise a child. There are so many kids in this world who need spiritual moms, who need women to just love on them and care for them and, and help encourage them, God. Lord, every woman in this room has the ability to be a mother if they're willing to listen to you, our Father. So Lord, we just thank you on this very special day where we can take a moment like we should every day to celebrate these beautiful women. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, moms. You know, I love the way the Holy Spirit works. I, I hadn't talked to Pastor Jason about uh, my sermon today, but I do feel like he maybe peeked at my notes in the back because the title of this message is A Mother's Prayer. And we really are celebrating one of our greatest heroes in moms. 
I believe moms are superheroes, and in comic books and in movies, heroes are often seen with superpowers. Uh, They have the power of flight. Uh, They might have the power of strength or speed. They have the power of super intelligence and x-ray vision. And I think to a certain extent, you could say that about our moms. Our moms have superpowers. Some moms have uh, super hearing, right? Uh, my, my wife, ever since she became a mom, if I'm opening a bag of chips three blocks away, she hears it. She knows when something's going on. You know when your kids are talking and when they're saying things they shouldn't be saying. Growing up, we thought you couldn't hear us if we shoved our face in a pillow and quietly yelled, but you hear it. Moms have uh, superpowers. They can uh, have that lasso of truth. They know when you're lying. I've come to realize it's because you always assume they're lying, but nonetheless, you know when your child is lying. You can tell, you can see it in their face. Some moms, if you're special, have become masters in the ancient art of la chancla. And you can fling that sand 100 miles. I mean, you can't throw a baseball for the life of you, but a chancla? I once saw, I, this is not even uh, a joke, I once saw my neighbor get hit by his mom as he was running out of the house towards the alley. The mom from the second floor opened the window, chucked the chocolate, nailed him right in between the shoulders. I was, that, that moment, I'm like, yo, that lady's a boss. Yes, superpowers. Moms have superpowers. I, I'm not even lying. It's just, I don't know if it happens in the womb, and, you know, as that baby is growing, it just, the Lord bestows these abilities upon you. Even like, like in an actual scientific form, like uh, when a woman is pregnant, her senses are all heightened. It's just, it's a phenomenal thing. But I think there's one superpower that's greater than any other superpower, and that's the superpower of prayer. I just think moms have an innate ability, have a supernatural anointing when it comes to prayer. I just do. I, I, I've, and this is, I can't totally say this is biblical, although I'm going to show you a biblical example. But even just in my experience, having done even just youth ministry for the past 12 years, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of kids. We've counseled a lot of kids. But there is nothing that has been more powerful than a mom who prays. Because oftentimes, our kids won't listen to us. Oftentimes, our kids won't do what we ask them to do, and, and they'll run off in their own path. Oftentimes, it's, it's uh, an, an insane kind of thing because it's frustrating, and in our nature, we want to do something to make it better. And more often than not, when I am speaking with a mother who's frustrated, who's scared, who's wondering what to do, I almost always come back to saying, listen, there's nothing more powerful than a praying mom. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. Just keep trusting the Lord. So I want to talk about that a little bit more in depth. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses in this, but 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, this is an interesting story, and it kind of sets off First and Second Samuel, which is a man who was one of the most powerful prophets uh, in ancient Israel and during this time period. But I want you to understand this story because I think it ties in to some really cool lessons that we can learn from mom's superpower. Verse 1 says, each year, Elkanah, right? Did I say it right, babe? No. How is it? Elkanah. Me and my wife were practicing, and I I told her it sounds like a Mortal Kombat character. Elkanah. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. 
The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, which by the way, if you go on to study, these were horrible priests. Uh, a lot of bad stuff was happening in the tabernacle at the time. And there's a reason why God is raising up a man named Samuel. It says, on the days that Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and to each of her children. Now, one thing you got to understand about Elkanah is that he has two wives, Penina and Hannah. Now, polygamy was not uncommon during this time, but I do want to point something out in case some of you are starting to wonder, huh? Um, every time polygamy is mentioned in the Bible, there's issues, there's drama. And the Bible has always been against polygamy and, and anything other than the traditional sense of marriage. But it just goes to show you, just because a lot of people do it doesn't mean God sanctions it. And so this was common, but it wasn't necessarily God's will. And just like every other time, there is issues between Hannah and Penina. And the issue stems from the fact that Hannah didn't have any children and couldn't have any children so far. And Penina had multiple children. And she would constantly rub it in Hannah's face as we go on to see. It says that she would get a portion of the meat for her and her children, but Hannah would only get a portion for herself. She'd get a little bit more, but it was a reminder that, hey, by the way, you don't have any kids. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would, haunt, would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Again, this is a big sense of jealousy. I think Penina understood that her husband probably loved Hannah more. This is the one thing she could do to one-up her. And so every year when they would go there, as this reminder would come to Hannah, she would just dig it in deeper and try to turn that knife in her back. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they would go to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? Which, again, uh, you're seeing a lot of mistakes going on here. Husbands, take a lesson from this dummy. Uh, He's looking at his wife, who's obviously in distress every year. It's pretty obvious what her issue is because he points it out. And he goes, Let's don't be sad. You have me. Isn't me great? And again, it's just, this is this, uh, a reminder that nobody gets what Hannah's going through right now. Right? The only other woman in the household hates her. Her husband is, is just dumb about it. He doesn't totally get what's happening. He's, he's almost indifferent to it. And so here Hannah is year after year crying and embittered and sad, and it's always being rubbed in her face, and it's a really horrible situation. And so at one point, uh, and just again, for context sakes, you got to understand the way it worked. Uh, they had to go annually to the temple in order to pray and offer sacrifice and atone for their sin because that is where the presence of God resided. Jesus hadn't shown up on the scene yet, and so it's not like you and I where we can pray wherever we are and we can always get into the presence of God. In this case, they had to make a pilgrimage. So every year, this day would show up, and it would be a reminder of her issues. And again, that's part of why in my prayer, there are some women who Mother's Day is a very difficult day for them. Because it's a reminder that maybe they haven't yet been able to have children or maybe that was never part of God's plan. And, and Mother's Day can always kind of be a little bit of a, a, a thorn in their side in a difficult moment because it's a reminder of something there that's really outside of their control. 
And so we, we sympathize with Hannah, and I understand what she's going through. And then you go on to see Hannah doing something about it, because the Bible says that one time when they did go up to that same annual pilgrimage in verse 9, it says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. This was what they would call a Nazarene vow. And it was people that were specially separated for God's work. And one of those visible um, signs that you were a Nazarite was that your hair was never cut. It says, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. (laughs) There's four lessons I'd love to touch on that I think all of us can learn from, whether you're a mother or or, or have no children, you're a teenager, whatever. Anyone in this room or anyone online who's listening, I think we can learn some lessons from a praying mother. And if you're taking notes, one of the first things I think that really stands out is that a praying mother perseveres. Praying mother perseveres. A praying mother is not going to throw up one softball prayer and then walk away and go, hope that works. A praying mother is unrelenting. A praying mother is consistent. A praying mother continues to move forward. Think about this. She kept going to the Lord's temple year after year. In other words, She kept going to church. She kept trusting in the Lord. She kept going, even though it was painful, even though I'm sure she could have asked to stay home, even though she she struggled with it, she also knew, hey, this is my time to be with the Lord. This is my time to pray. This is my time to get into his presence. And so she kept going, despite the fact that she was tormented by the other wife, despite the fact that she would end up crying so much that she wouldn't even be hungry, despite the fact that her husband obviously doesn't understand, despite the fact, or most importantly, despite the fact that it seems like her prayers haven't been answered. Year after year, she keeps showing up. That's persistency. Many of us, we try one time. If it doesn't work, we move on. Because we could say, well, I tried. Did you, though? Did you, though? Like, I use this illustration with the kids, but our students don't get this because they got apps and stuff like that. So I'm going to talk to the the people in my generation older who, who grew up catching the CTA, okay? When you were a kid trying to catch the CTA, think about this. You would wait at the bus stop, and there'd be this moment after a long time waiting where you'd think, I should probably walk to the next stop, right? I should probably walk to the next And you know, every time you start walking to the next stop, Okay, you get to the next stop, same process. Ah, man, that bus came. It's probably going to be a while before the next one shows up. I'm going to walk to the next stop. Walk to the next stop, three buses, back to back. 
I mean, you end up doing that so many times, you, you just end up walking to where you were trying to get to. You just got there, right? It, because there's no persistency. There's no ability to just say, you know what? I'm going to wait. It's going to show up eventually. I know it's going to show up eventually. I'm just going to wait. A praying mother understands that it's important to be consistent and to be persistent. Even if you don't get the answer, even if everybody's making fun of you, I, I thought about this oftentimes, and I've been in church my whole life, and I've seen my whole life mothers who week after week after week come to church by themselves and are sitting there interceding for their entire family because dad doesn't want to come, kids don't want to come, friends don't want to come. So this mother sits in this seat every week, week after week, maybe with the exception of Mother's Day. Sometimes mom or dad and kids will show up for Mother's Day. But on most other days, that consistent, faithful mom shows up. Shows up to the prayer meeting, shows up to service, brings her kids to other events. She is the backbone of that spiritual household, and she is consistent and faithful. That shouldn't just be moms, though. That should be a lesson for all of us. That in whatever we're praying about, whatever we're, we're dealing with, whatever we're struggling with, to be persistent. This is why our, our mantra on Wednesday night is to push, right? To pray until something happens. To continue to believe. To continue to trust God. To continue to push forward. If God hasn't said no, then I'm going to keep waiting on a yes. Like I'm going to continue to pursue the Lord and be persistent in that. And listen, over and over again, I see in the Bible, sometimes God pushes you into that moment just to see if you're going to be persistent. Because if it doesn't matter to you, then why should it matter to God? And so often we throw our hands in the air because, well, I've been to church. I tried before. Try again. Try again. And here's why I think in a mother's case it's different. Because in a mother's case, I feel like she thinks there's more on the line. Mothers, by the very nature of being a mom, I think it's, it's an unselfless person. It's not just about them. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. There's the promise, but there's the condition. Hey, if you keep doing what is right, if you keep continuing to trust the Lord, if you are persistent and going after him, at just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest for that if you don't give up. And oh, how many times have we given up just before the miracle shows up? How many times have we given up just before God was about to show up? Persistency in prayer is one of the most important things you and I could ever do. It's something that we have to be consistent on. And again, it's a difficult thing. I understand that because you feel like, I don't even know if this is working or not. And I've, I've used this example a lot of times because it it's always been my most infuriating one. But I remember helping my dad breaking some concrete in our basement. We were literally creating a new foundation in this house, and we're knocking out the concrete walls. And my father gives me a 25-pound sledgehammer and says, go to work. And I hit that thing for God knows how long. It felt like forever. And just before it was about to break, my father took the hammer and said, let me show you how to do it, son. And he hits it once, and it all falls apart. And I was so mad because I knew I was almost there. I was one swing away. How often are we just one more prayer away from the Lord coming through? And it's not because he's cruel. It's because there's something that goes on in the process of prayer. And I think that's why as, as, as we notice that verse says at just the right time, the other thing that we learn from Hannah's prayer is that a praying mother trusts God's timing. 
A praying mother trusts God's timing. And that is such a frustrating thing because God's timing is nowhere near our timing. Especially in today's day and age, and, and I'm not one of those who knocks you know, what, what we have, I love what we have, but we've gotten accustomed to a certain speed when it comes to life. You want information, you get information in nanoseconds. You want to know where something is? I mean, there were days, remember when you would watch TV and you'd be like, man, I know that person from something. And you'd just spend the rest of your life wondering. You're just like, yeah, I, know, I don't know. Now you can just look it up real quick. Oh, yeah, they were in this thing, they were in that thing. Like, we're doing research while we're watching the show the entire time just because we can. Information, confirmation, we can get those within nanoseconds. So when you talk about praying and then waiting, that's infuriating. Waiting on what? I don't even know if he's going to say yes or no, and I'm supposed to wait. Yeah, you're supposed to wait. Hannah kept waiting. Year after year, she would show up, and she would wait. She would wait on the Lord, and she would wait on his timing, and she would wait on his answer. And waiting is always the hardest part. You think about if you're on a roller coaster, those of you who might have a little fear of roller coaster, the roller coaster is done like that, but the waiting is what freaks you out for an hour. And you sit there terrified for an hour, and then like that, the whole ride is over. It's the waiting. That's the anguish. That's the difficulty. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 5 through 6 reminds us, those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right. For there is a time and a way for everything, even when a person is in trouble. Again, when, when, when things are in trouble, we get into this go mode. We're like, no, 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 no. we got to fix this now. we got to do this now. It's got to be like this. got to happen like that. we got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. And God's like, chill. There's a time and a way of doing things, even when you're in trouble. Oh, my son is lost, and he's in the world, and he's doing this and that. Pastor Joel, you got to go to. No. I want because I don't even know your son. I'm not going to show up at a random person's house. I don't know what's going on in that house. There's a safety issue there. But two, I'm not God. Me just showing up somehow is not going to fix your kid. No one can do what God can do. And so these are those moments where we often, we want the doctor to do it, or we want our husbands to show up, or we want, you know, the, the thing to happen when it's supposed to happen in our mind. And God's like, but I already have a timing for that. And my time is not like your time. The Bible says my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so the hard part is trusting God. And again, parents, you know. I remember as a kid, a distance in time was so weird to me and foreign. I thought Kittyland was so far away. I thought it was like on another state in another country. Now I take that drive to Costco every other week, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. But as a kid, when you're sitting in the back and you're not driving, you're not in control, you have no concept of how long something is. And so that's why parents, we often get annoyed with the kids in the back seat going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? How long is it going to take? Can you task? What does the GPS say? And you're just like, I'm going to murder this child before we get there. <laughs> and yet we do the same to God. God, can you hear me? God, is it happening yet? God, are you going to make it happen? When is it going to happen, God? Can you just tell me? Why don't you tell me? Why are you keeping it a secret? Is it supposed to be a secret? And God's like, I'm going to kill this child before I get them to where I'm <laughs> trying to get them. And trust me, there's been so many times after God accomplishes what he has set out to accomplish in his time and in his way, where we look back and we go, oh man, I'm sure glad it didn't happen when I wanted it to happen. Why? Because God has perfect timing. God is never late and God is never early. 
God is always where he needs to be, when he needs to be, and accomplishes what he wants to accomplish when it has to be accomplished. The other thing that we learn from a praying mother is not only does a praying mother trust God's timing and persevere, this might seem strange, but a praying mother cries. Prayer is different when you cry. And I'm not speaking just strictly emotional. But a praying mother cries. Well, what do I mean? There's, there's two parts on this. I'm talking about crying tears. Okay? Again, this is not a matter of emotion, but of importance. How much does it matter to you? How much does it matter to you? Does it matter to the point where it literally brings tears to your eyes? Where that prayer and that intercession is so powerful that you are literally crying tears before the Lord. A mother weeps over her family in prayer because they mean that much to her. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you wept for the lost? Or as you were praying for your unbelieving neighbors, your unbelieving friends, just unbelievers in general, that it literally cost you tears. And if you haven't done that, then there's probably not a coincidence that it's not really that important for you to share the gospel or to talk to people about Jesus because it doesn't even bring you to tears in prayer. Why would it bring you to action in life? This is one of those things where, again, my wife had this saying all the time when we were, especially when we were dating, she said, it's not real if you don't cry. And so there was all this pressure I had on our wedding day where I felt like, man, I, I got to figure out how I'm going to cry. Because if she walks down the aisle and she doesn't see me crying, she's going to think I don't care. So literally, I was coming, I'm like, maybe I can pluck an eyelash or, or you know, like pull a nose hair. Or there's something I can do that, but guess what? Soon as that door back there opened, I cry like a baby, an ugly cry. I hate those pictures. I look so dumb. Why? Because it mattered to me that much. When my daughter was born, nobody had to prompt me to cry. I cry because that's my daughter. Just this moment of understanding, this matters so much to me that it naturally brings tears to my eyes. So I'm not talking about forcing emotion. I'm saying let that be engaged to you. How important is that prayer to you? To the point where are you crying tears? Are you locked away in your closet and saying, I am not coming out of this prayer closet until there are tears in my eyes over this situation? Because it matters that much to me. I'm not talking about being sensational. I'm talking about learning to be supernatural, trusting in the Lord. When others move and others quit, a praying mother continues to cry. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says, I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. This is Paul talking to his people. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. Paul loved his church, I mean, when you read Paul's letters to almost every church, there is so much emotion attached to it. Paul's like, listen, you weren't just some church when I got to Corinth and I set up and I was like, oh, great, I did God's work, I'm gonna move on. No, I care about you. That's why I'm writing letters to you. That's why I'm crying for you, because you matter to me. Paul goes on to say, when he talks about his own kinmen, the Jews, and he says, listen, I long for them to be able to know you. I would rather give up my salvation in the hopes that they would have it. That's how much it mattered to him. And so it's no wonder that Paul is one of the greatest missionaries we ever saw. It's no wonder that Paul, the apostle, would continue to go on and write three-fourths of the Bible because he cared. It 
brought him to tears. It was so important to him that he would literally cry out in prayer and cry as he was writing to them. I think sometimes the, the reason why a praying mother has no issue crying is especially even in society, we don't see anything wrong with the woman crying. Man, we need to learn something from a praying mother. That it's okay to show emotion. That it's okay to cry over your family. To cry for the Lord. To cry tears of anguish and sorrow. You know what I love? Is that those tears weren't just for her or for show or for other people around her. They were for the Lord. So she doesn't just cry tears, but she also cries out. Right? Not crying inward where, where she's constantly just feeling sorry for herself. But she is crying out to God. She is saying, God, here is my anguish. Here is my pain. Here is my suffering. Here is my desire. I give it to you. Even though Hannah was bitter and in anguish, she didn't just cry about it. Because listen, plenty of us just cry about things. And that can get annoying and that can get tiresome. Right? And you're constantly crying, you're constantly crying, but you're not doing anything about it. You're just sitting there wallowing in your emotions. That's not what I'm talking about. Because Hannah, yes, she had emotions. Yes, it mattered her. And yes, it got her to the point where there were tears. But it also got her to the point where she was crying out in prayer to God. There was action behind it. So it's not just emotions. It's motion. She did something. She acted on it. It's not about being emotional just for emotion's sake. Psalm 34, verse 17 through 18. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. It's not just about being this Debbie Downer and just crying all the time and feeling bad about what's going on in your life. Because God doesn't want that either for you. It's okay to acknowledge how much you care about the situation and for it to bring you to tears. But where are you taking those tears? Where are you taking that emotion? You need to learn to take it to the Lord, to concentrate that. And, you know, they say this all the time in sports. Hey, take that feeling. Michael Jordan was famous for just creating false narratives in order to fire him up and destroy the competition. Okay, well, if you're that emotional about it, take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't just take it to your neighbors and gossip. Don't just take it to Pastor Joey so that you feel like he can do something or Pastor Carlos, Pastor Jason, Pastor Evelyn. You know, hey, I'm really emotional. Do something. Help me. Because we're only people like you. No, no. The key to this is I cry out to the Lord. I, I, I yearn for the Lord. I trust in the Lord. My tears are, are a sign of my emotion, but I take these emotions to the presence of God and I say, God, I need you to intervene in this situation. Because I can't do it on my own. There's a lot that you can learn from a praying mother. But here's probably the biggest one and, and one of the last points if you want to take notes on this. Number four is this. I believe a praying mother believes. A praying mother just believes. There's, there's nothing you can say to deter a fervent, passionate, praying mom. We can have all the other rational thoughts in our head. Well, it's not probable. This may not happen. You got to prepare yourself for the worst case scenario. This is this and this and that. Don't try saying that to a mom. Not a praying mom. Because she refuses to hear any other voice but the voice of God in that situation. And there is that power of belief behind that. I had mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier, but I'll, I'll give you more an in-depth thing. My wife and I in August will be celebrating how many years? 
seven. We laugh because there's a poster in our house, like a little board that has the year of our anniversary. So every time I ask her, she has to look at it and just. We're going to celebrate seven years of marriage in August. Um, for the first five years, we tried to have children and just couldn't. And there was no real rhyme or reason in our mind. Uh, one of the potential issues we thought is that my wife and in her later years was diagnosed with endometriosis, which uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's scarring tissue that builds up in the uterine wall. And about 50% of women who are unable to have children, that's the reason. And so uh, we just thought, well, maybe we can't have kids. And it was an interesting conversation that we would have over time and uh, and we, we spoke about it often. And here's the reality. And I mean this in all sincerity. I was genuinely content if that was the Lord's will for my life. Um, just me personally, and, and I said this in all honesty. Hey, you know what? If the Lord decides that we are not going to have biological children, then praise God, we will continue to serve. And guess what? In 12 years of youth ministry, I've had the ability to be a spiritual parent to many people. I don't feel that lacking. And I understand that it was different for my wife. I'm just speaking for me. I was content. I said, Lord, if that's your will, okay. My wife was not content. And it wasn't because her desire to have children. And it wasn't because of maybe some insecurity about not being able to have children. It was one reason and one reason alone. She said, I prayed. And God told me we would have a child. Okay. That's enough for me. Because I trust my wife. I know her prayer life. I know how she goes to the Lord. She said, Joey, I know we may not. I know this. But I also know what God told me. What's the difference? I was content, but she believed. And because she believed, then I believed. And I said, sure, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know if that's through adoption, I don't know if that's through, you know, any other kind of form, I don't know what the Lord is going to plan and decide, but if God told you, then I believe you. And my wife never wavered from that. And so when she became pregnant, it wasn't a surprise to her. It wasn't a, oh my gosh, da da da. It was like, thank you, Lord, because you are faithful to your promise. And I'm not saying that's everybody's story. Uh, for, again, for me, the key was, well, that's what God told you. And so we lean on what God told you. For some, it's just, it's not something that God wants to be a part of your life. And it's not a punishment. And a life without children is not, you know, some horrible, damning thing. Because the Bible is clear that a single person, you know, even an unmarried person, can be dedicated to the Lord's affairs and could do things that we would never be able to do. And that was my thinking. If we don't have kids, do you realize what we can do for the kingdom, where we could travel, what we could do? We wouldn't be bogged down by anything. Man, I'd love to have kids, but if that's not the Lord's will, then the Lord's will is something else. And I was happy about that. But we held to the promise. It was her belief in the promise that God had given her. And it was that belief that was unshakable in her life and eventually became unshakable in my life. Now remember back to Hannah's conversation with the priest Eli. 1 Samuel chapter 1, 17 through 18 says, In that case, Eli said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you your request you have asked of him. And her response was, Oh, thank you, sir. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. I honestly believe that Eli was just being polite. I don't think he was purposely speaking a prophetic word on the Lord's behalf. When he says, Hey, may the Lord grant you your desire. I think he was just being nice. I think he's just like, well, hey, listen, I hope it works out for you. I hope, hey, God bless. I hope, I hope God answers your prayer. 
I don't think Eli understood that in reality, he was speaking a prophetic word on the Lord's behalf. But Hannah believed. Hannah's reaction was joy. She could eat again. She was no longer sad. Why? Because she wasn't listening to what Eli said. She was listening to what God said. God gave me a promise, not this man. And so this is what you have to hold on to. Whatever your situation is, whatever you're praying for, if God has an answer, then you wait on the Lord. And if God has given you an answer, then you trust in the Lord. You believe, God, this is what you spoke to me. So I'm going to keep working as if it's going to happen because I know that you're going to be uh, responsible for your part. I got to learn to be responsible for my part. God is faithful. God is consistent. God will show up if he said he will. Some of us, we struggle because we don't know that God's going to do it because we never ask. We're not in prayer to hear his voice, to hear him say, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. This is why a praying mother has that confidence because it's not just this gut feeling. It's not women's intuition. It's not, man, I really, 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 really think so. It's no, God spoke to me. And because God spoke to me, I believe. God's not going to speak to you if you don't learn to speak to God. If you don't learn to take time in prayer. I don't know if we're going to have enough finances this year to pray about it. What, I mean, you're already crying about it. You might as well pray about it, right? I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if my children are ever going to come back to the Lord. I don't know if my grandkids, I don't know if we're ever going to reconcile. I don't know. I, again, I don't know either, but God does. And so let's talk to him. Let's bring it before the Lord. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's have faith in knowing what the Lord said. Last week, I had a, a sister uh, come up to me after the service, and, and she was just telling me how she was struggling a little bit with doubting a miracle that God did in her life. Because there were some other outside voices that said some different things. And I just looked and said, well, did God say that? No. Well, what did God say? God said that it's a miracle. Okay. Doctors can't do anything. Family can't do anything. Friends can't do anything. So why sit there and doubt it? Trust in the Lord. Believe. And her, her fear wasn't that she was doubting. She was just sad that she was doubting God in the sense that, no, no, Lord, I, I know what you did and I trust what you did. That's why a praying mother is different. Because a praying mother believes what the Lord says. And the truth is, if you go on to read Hannah's story, within a year, Hannah gives birth to Samuel. And after a few years of weaning him, Hannah brought him back to Eli to serve the Lord. And this part always kind of messed with me because um, I'm like, man, Hannah gave up the one thing she asked for. The one thing she so desperately wanted. But here's what I think Hannah understood. Without God... I have nothing. So anything the Lord blesses me with is ultimately his anyway. So if the Lord wants it back, then praise God for it. Because a praying mother trusts her heavenly father. Samuel goes on to become one of the most important prophets we see in the Bible. And Hannah ends up being blessed five times more with children. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. There's a tenacity and a fervency that comes with a mother who prays that I think all of us should learn to take on. And uh, this past week, I was having breakfast with a young man, and I asked him if I could share this story. I'm not going to name any names because it's still very raw, but I do want to give God glory in this moment. There was a young man uh, in our church who, for the last several years, had just completely walked away from the Lord. I mean completely and, and, and almost to the point where, no, to the point where I was very, very scared for this person. 
um, not just on a biblical level, but on a personal level. Like, there was anything you can imagine, he did. And uh, he cut us all off, wouldn't answer my phone calls, wouldn't answer my messages. Just, I understood that he's in the world now and, and he doesn't want anything to do with me. And I just gave him a space. Uh, I just learned over the years, you know, how to handle those situations. I didn't want to be a burden or a bother. I just periodically let him know my door is open. And uh, we just all kind of moved on. And he moved on and, you know, things were going that way. But his mom never moved on. And his mom, even though she lived in a whole other state, never cut me and my wife off. (laughs) She constantly hit us up. Like a lot. Messages after messages. Please don't give up on my son. Thank you for inviting my son. Thank you for reaching out to my son. Pray for this. Pray for that. Understand this. I mean, she's all the time. We were always in constant communication with this mom. And this person is not even a child. It's not even a teenager. But the mom, to a mom, it's always going to be my kid. And literally two, three years later, my wife gets a message randomly and she, she like, you know, has a smile from ear to ear. And it's this message from the mom. My son's going to church tomorrow. And I, we're like, we're celebrating in the living room. We're like, praise God. Da, da, da. I didn't even think about it, that he was coming to our church. Because I wouldn't. I would have gone somewhere else. I would have gone somewhere new. I would have gone somewhere where nobody knows me. But he showed up. And he showed up not to reconcile with God because that happened alone in his bedroom a few nights before where God wrecked him and God destroyed him and God just completely left him a broken, bruised, and abandoned to where that wrestling with God eventually led for him to saying, I'm sorry, God, I relent. And in that moment, he gave his life back to the Lord. I say all that and I love all that because I like that it wasn't in church. Because it wasn't a sermon that somebody preached. It wasn't, you know, pastor, you know, being eloquent or, or, or me being funny or, or it wasn't the worship setting this beautiful atmosphere and, and this emotional reaction. It was this horrible battle he had in his bedroom where he literally cried all day. But he only cried all day because his mother cried for three years. I don't know how long it'll take for what you're praying for to happen. I can't even tell you that it's guaranteed to happen. But what I can tell you and what I've learned from mother after mother after mother is if you are unrelenting in your prayer, if you are willing to persevere, to trust God, to believe what he tells you, God always comes through on his end. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. And for a moment, I'd just like you to bow your head and, and close your eyes, just uh, out of a sign of reverence for everybody else. In a moment, I want to intercede for the thing that you've been praying about, because everybody has something here. But before I do that, you might be here, and you think you showed up because you wanted to. But everything in the universe happened in order for this moment to come to fruition. And I'm here to let you know, there's a good chance you're here because of a praying mom. So before we go into anything else, I would be remiss if I didn't give you this opportunity, young man, young lady, sir, ma'am. Because 
I believe God wants to reconcile with you today. And God wants to give you an opportunity to accept him as your Lord and Savior. To have a relationship with him. Because as much as your mother loves you, as much as people in your life love you, no one will love you the way God loves you. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to speak to those of you in this room. If at any point during this message, you were feeling this tugging in your heart, you were feeling like, man, this is you, then I need you to understand that was the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying this moment is for you. If you have never said yes to the Lord, or maybe you did, but you haven't been living like that for a while, and today you need to rededicate that. I want to pray for you in just a moment. All I need from you is for you to quickly lift up your hand so I can include you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, bro. Anyone else? That's me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, I am overjoyed, God, because I know the power of prayer works and moves in the lives of your people. And I thank you, God, for every hand that's raised, every hand that's willing to say, Lord, I know that I don't deserve your love. I know that I don't deserve your forgiveness. But Father, I am willing to stand before you and before everyone else in this room and admit that I am a sinner, that I don't deserve it, but I am willing to accept that undeserving grace. So Lord, I ask you to come into my life to be my God, to be my Savior. Lord, I pray right now in this moment, would you wash away all their sins? Would you make them fresh and clean? Would today be the beginning of a new life in you, Jesus? Lord, we thank you for the prayers and the intercession, but even more than a mom, we know that you sit at the right hand of a father, constantly interceding on our behalf. And so, Lord, in this moment, we ask, would you accept them into your family? Would you restore them and make them fresh and anew? and help them to understand that they are now your children. They belong to you and you belong to them. And that they can walk in this new life, learning to love you the way you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. And in that same way, Lord, I pray on behalf of every individual in this room who has a prayer request on their heart. Maybe they have a child who hasn't been in this room, who's not here today, that they are continuing to intercede on their salvation. It might be a neighbor, it might be a brother, a sister, a parent. Lord, I pray that they would not give up. I pray that like Hannah, they would persevere. God, maybe there's some of us in this room, we're still waiting on a miracle. We're still waiting on an answer. Some of us in this room are waiting to find out if you will ever give us children. God, I pray that no matter what the prayer is, no matter what the situation, God, would you meet them the same way you met Hannah? Would you come into that room, oh God? Would you come into that space and remind them, I have heard your prayer. It did not fall on deaf ears. I am not ignoring you. I have not turned my back on you. I am listening to you intently, and I will give you an answer. So Lord, we wait on you, God. We trust in your timing. We trust in your presence. We believe that you will do exactly what you say you will do. So Lord, we just ask, speak to our hearts. May the peace that surpasses all understanding come over our lives and understanding that, Lord, you are faithful to your word. You are not a man that you should lie and that you will accomplish everything you set out to accomplish. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, come on, would you give God a big hand clap of praise today? Church, I just want to encourage you. Please don't stop. Every Wednesday night, we gather together to pray. 
If you feel alone in this prayer pursuit, join us on Wednesday. We'll pray with you. We'll intercede with you. We'll battle this fight with you because that's what being a church is all about. It's the fact that we don't do this alone. I pray for your kids as much as you pray for your kids. We want to be there with you. We want to intercede with you. So we want to encourage you. Don't give up. Pray until something happens.